from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. So you were saying before we jumped on the program today, you just flew in from Florida. Is that true? Yeah, I flew down to uh, Jacksonville to see my mother-in-law, who's in the early 90s. Oh, wow. Mother's Day with her. Excellent. Interesting. Happy Happy belated Mother's Day to you. Thank you. Yes, I saw on all my social media feeds, everybody celebrating their mothers <laughs> as they should. Yes, absolutely. It's quite impressive, though. When I, I pop open Facebook and, and it's, you just see the entire world just celebrating moms is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Yep. And I, what I love is they show pictures of her when she's young, when she's Yeah. Uh-huh. Very, very cool stuff. And I'm sure it was a big marketing day. I don't know if, uh, you know, the Mother's Day, uh, you know, uh, is that, that's a big, a big day for certain, uh, certain retail yeah. stuff. What, what, what's going it on there? Certainly it was a big day before Zoom meetings. I have no idea what's happened <laughs> since. But I saw an article recently that the person, some woman invented Mother's Day and she's very upset with how commercial it's. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. It's, it probably is the pattern right it probably starts from a very sweet authentic place and then you know the marketers come in and start selling stuff any opportunity well you know today america's with to discuss our hits and misses we have peter adams the reporter of marketing dive on the phone with us so hello peter hey guys thanks so much for having me on hey peter i'm hoping you celebrated mother's day did you uh remotely i did yeah i called her um Fortunately, the rest of my family is vaccinated, so uh, they were able to get together up where my parents are based. I'm still waiting on that second dose, but I uh, called in and helped them out with some family trivia stuff, so it was a nice day. Oh, Very that's cool. That's a good idea. Awesome. See how much of your childhood your mother remembered? Is that what <laughs> Exactly, <you meant>? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Good stuff. All right. Well, the three of us are together, so let's start playing with our hit and miss. And I have one I'd like to get your opinions on. I'm. This is like uh, one of those ones. I'm not sure if it's a hit or a miss. Mm. Um, a brand new idea on a lot of different fronts, and I thought we could talk about different aspects of it. So I read that recently Pepsi is launching a virtual virtual restaurant called Pep's Place. And the point of it is it lets consumers pick their favorite beverage first. And then once they pick whichever Pepsi version they want, you know, whatever the diet Pepsi, Pepsi Zero, Pepsi Wild Cherry, et cetera, then Mm -hmm. it's going to list food for them to choose. So first of all, it it does it backwards. So it picks the beverage first and then the food. It's not usually Ah. the way you do it. Uh Second of all, it's a virtual restaurant, which is kind of interesting. I was kind of interested in what you guys think about whether some of these trends that started in Zoom is going to continue. So this idea of dark kitchens and ghost kitchens and things like that. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing. It's not a real restaurant. It's a virtual restaurant the third thing i thought was interesting is these um big brands these cpg brands going direct so here's an example of pepsi going direct typically pepsi goes through a restaurant a bar Mm. or Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. supermarkets but not really so much direct Mm. so this is a a restaurant a virtual restaurant interesting starting with the drink 
starting with Pepsi going direct, um, Pepsi's trying all sorts of ways to create experiences around their products. So what do you think, Americus? Is this a hit or a miss? Wow. Well, see, tell, let me get a little bit more detail, Barbara. What exactly is a virtual restaurant? How does that, how, what, how does that work? Is, do I, how do I get the food? Like, what do I, I order it in that virtual setting and yes. it comes to me? Oh, well, it, it's a ghost kitchen. So the kitchens are real. The okay. food is real. Oh. But instead of it actually being a, restaurant they can open tons of restaurants with just an app so you have the app you have a menu you have the kitchen oh. which the kitchen can serve for a lot of different virtual restaurants i see um, you can brand it in all different ways and then you partner with like you know one of the delivery systems and they deliver the food and oh. it comes from quote unquote the restaurant but it's oh, interesting yeah, so that's the idea of virtual restaurants, which were very popular during, um, you know, the pandemic because mm -hmm. restaurants were closed and this is the way they could use their kitchens Interesting. Uh, when they couldn't have people sit inside. Now, hopefully in the next couple of months, these restaurants are going to start to open. And the question is, have, three questions I have. One, are, are these ghost kitchens, virtual kitchens going to stay? Mm. I mean, is this a habit that people have gotten addicted to and mm. they like? Mm. Uh, when real restaurants start opening. Yeah. Number two is this idea of order your drink first and then your food. I love that. Have that. I love and that. Three, you know, Pepsi going direct. And four, if I want to make it even more complicated, <laughs> yeah. I have been reading a lot of, you know, if you looked at unemployment and stuff, we're, we're not, mm. there are a lot of, oh. the unemployment numbers were, went down a little bit unexpectedly this last week. Okay. But there's still a lot of jobs that aren't being filled. And a lot of the jobs are on the front lines where people don't actually want to go back to those jobs. So a lot of these restaurants are having trouble hiring servers because mm. um, it's kind of an underpaid, underappreciated position. Understood. And a lot of people went and found something else to do during the pandemic. So there's... Wow. Quite a lot of detail. You can pick anything you want to yeah. talk about. With yeah, I'll just jump in really quickly before Peter uh, adds uh, his contribution to this. I, I think it's super interesting. The, our uh, colleagues, Barbara, who study uh, judgment and decision making will love this because they, now they can do the experiment where you offer the drink first instead of the meal. <laughs> <laughs> and now they can show all kinds of differences and all kinds of dependent variables. But I do think it's interesting, the notion of a Pepsi sommelier, it almost sounds like. It's like you pick the cherry Coke and then they pair it with uh, you know, whatever. I actually like the idea. I will say this though, Barbara, to, your, to, to one of the questions you asked, I'm, I'm one of these people and I may, you know, obviously N equals one. So it's anecdotal. I love restaurant experiences, man. So when, when this thing is over, I'm, I'm back in full on with respect to like going out and like sitting down and having an awesome experience in a really good restaurant with really, really good food. So I'm not sure what, how much of this will stick, but I got to say, I really like the, it's a bold idea. And I got to say, I kind of like it. I, I would kind of say it's a hit. What are your thoughts, Peter? Uh, this was my hit pick for the week as well oh, so oh, I, yes. I think a lot of your analysis on it of it is pretty on the money um on the one hand it puts the pepsi brand forward up front you choose your drink first your favorite variant of pepsi uh and on the other hand it's about owning the channel so uh pepsi has seen that delivery has skyrocketed they've integrated this program into uber eats and all the other third-party apps ah, interesting um, and when yeah. you talk about you know wanting to go back to you know, the in-person in experience, you know, I do think that that is going to be a thing. There are going to be people who are going to jump on that, but there is a contingent of people who have gotten really ingrained in these habits of, you know, Thursday night's a busy night. I'm just going to order in. 
And if you look at some of the data that uh, Pepsi cited in establishing this, you know, ghost kitchens in particular, uh, supposed to be something like a trillion dollar market within the next couple of years, I think, mm. because if you own a restaurant and you're struggling mm. um, and, you know, I know you brought up like the labor shortages aspect of it, you know, one of the ways the ghost kitchen operates is that maybe it's your local mom and pop joint, but another company will come in and say, hey, can you prep X or Y on the side? You've got the built in infrastructure materials. Interesting. You know, sometimes Interesting. ghost kitchens are just like remote locations that that's all they do. But in other ways, it can be a little bit of an efficiency play. Mm. And, um, you know, Pepsi's experience in the restaurant space, and, and Barbara, you nodded to this as well, you know, their food service pockets are like really deep. You know, they have worked with venues, bars, restaurants for as long as they've been around pretty much. They've got a close association with like Yum! Brands. Mm. Um, and so in terms of having like the expertise and the know-how to kind of, kind of finagle this into another own channel, um, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty smart play again, you know, maybe I just assume people are more eager to order a Pepsi and then get a pairing recommendation. Uh, <laughs> I figured you'd want to, maybe that's putting the cart before the horse, but, uh, it is, it is, it is an interesting, it's innovative to, mm -hmm. to, to say the least, especially mm -hmm. with the continued interest in, in delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say. But, you know, Americus has brought up a good point with our decision theorist colleagues and stuff. Why should you, you know, especially when he paralleled it to wine, I could totally see choosing <laughs> my wine first and yep. then deciding which food went with that wine. You know, it, yep. it's kind of interesting that we haven't done that. Yeah. You know, we start we're eating meat, so we have red wine. But what should be, we have red wine. You know, what, yes, exactly. What are we going to eat with that? Exactly. So, yeah. No, I think it's a really interesting. I mean, when it when I heard it, I was like, wow, that's uh that's disruptive. That's turning it. Uh, that's creative and turning something on its head. I would totally try that. I would totally be interested in, in experiencing that. Now, whether or not that would be something that, you know, became sticky for me, right. uh, that's a different question. But so, so maybe that's what will happen is like, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of come out on this, Barbara, in an equilibrium where we'll still be doing some of the stuff we liked in terms of like, okay, Thursday night is order in night, uh, as Peter's saying, but we'll also get back a little bit to that social piece as well. So I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how all this plays out. You know, and even more generally, I know we've been talking about this for a while, but I've been starting to try to really think what this means. Uh, with Amazon uh, getting people to buy products because it's convenient to have it delivered and not paying as much attention to what the product is. So Amazon's kind of forcing products into a commodity and it's forcing everybody to be more experiential. So mm -hmm. the reason you're buying one thing or another is because of the experience, whether it's convenient or whether it's some kind of fun thing. And Pepsi's really jumping up to that challenge by trying to come up with all sorts of experiences that wrap it around their soft drink, just in case the soft drink ever becomes a commodity. Mm. Maybe you're not choosing one drink over another, but you're choosing uh, one global experience over another, of which Pepsi's in the center of it. Mm -hmm. And I think Pepsi's trying to do a lot of things really creatively in jumping to that new way of thinking about consumer behavior, which I would argue was kind of really accelerated by Amazon because Amazon Interesting. is getting people to purchase from their from their platform because it's easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you're not quite as as um, loyal to a particular brand if you're mm. getting whatever Amazon can get to you within an hour. Or so. <laughs> exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So this I think there's a big move to doing something like that. Peter, have you seen that also? Do you agree with my premise that product in some sense is moving a little to a, 
uh, commodity and we're really starting to differentiate on these experiences? I mean, you could see that, I think, uh, yeah, there's, I, I can't pull up the, the the data just from my memory, but you know, the, especially with younger consumers, the the brand loyalty is pretty fickle and especially, you know, uh, the, the, the economy reopening and, and, and some of this stuff that's happening right now, like affecting pricing, driving up pricing. Uh, there was an interesting report in the Wall Street Journal about how prices are going up and some consumers can't afford uh, name brand anymore. Mm. Uh, and, and so differentiating on experience could be a, a much more significant part of this, especially if you can offer a more holistic experience like a drink and a meal. Um, so I, I, and I definitely see Pepsi at least gravitating towards more of that. Like you said, Barbara, you know, it's not just stuff like Pep's place. I mean, they've also got these direct to consumer bets, their snacks.com, the other one mm. they have going for their pantry supplies, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely taking a little bit of an Amazonian, uh, tack there as well. <laughs> Amazonian, new adjective. <laughs> I'm going to reintroduce you. I'm Barbara Kahn, along with my co-host, Americus Reed. This is Marketing Matters. And today we're joined by Peter Adams, the reporter of Marketing dive. He told us he writes probably an article a day, keeping up with everything to do about marketing. So he's a terrific expert. We love having him on the show. And Peter, you're going to play hit and miss with us. So you have a hit and a miss for us? Well, I appreciate Yeah, I appreciate the compliment. And uh, yeah, no, I, I do have a miss. And it's like you said, it's a little oh, bit I of forgot. A... You took the same hit. Yeah. <laughs> the same hit. Uh, but uh, my, my miss is uh, a bit of a weird one because it feels so close to being a hit and it's mm. just one element of it is off mm. and it kind of upsets the whole balance so uh, uh miller the beer brand this week is going to launch hard uh, a case of hard seltzer into space with a rocket mm. and the premise is that they don't want to launch a hard seltzer product they're sick of the hard seltzer craze and so they're having their fans vote on the hard seltzer brand they want to see basically a case get loaded onto a rocket and shot into, they said into oblivion. So, you know, kind of a, kind of a snarky tongue in cheek campaign. I think the timing is good. Mm. Uh, you know, Elon Musk, uh, who founded yes. uh, SpaceX hosted SNL this weekend. Right. Oh, SpaceX, yeah. SpaceX rocket launches get millions of viewers. There's a research. And aren't interest. there rocket pieces coming out down to earth Oh, also. from China? Yeah. <laughs> that too could be top of mind. Uh, but you know, the, the, the general interest in, in space, as a, as a consumer interest is definitely on the rise. So there's a ton of ingredients to this that I really like. The issue is, is that the campaign has this very dismissive, like we're all sick of hard seltzer vibe Ooh, to it. Okay. And, you know, in the ad promoting it, there's a spokesperson who says, you know, we're, we're a beer's beer. But, um, you know, Molson Coors, which owns Miller, uh, is going all in on hard seltzer. They launched a Coors hard seltzer last fall. They've got three or four other brands. There's Topo Chico and a few others where, mm. you know, so on the one hand, you have the advertising messages saying, you know, we're too cool for hard seltzer, basically. Help us blow this trend up. But then, you know, with just a little bit of digging, you know, it's it's a, it's a the pot kevin calling the kettle black situation. You know, mm. Molson Coors is, is all in on hard seltzer in a couple of different ways. So... Mm. Mm -hmm. It feels, I don't know if hypocritical might be a stretch, but it feels like it's trying to be this big, bold campaign, but the, the teeth of it are, uh, are, are, are sanded down a little bit because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this company is big on hard seltzer. They want you to buy more hard seltzer at the end of the day. Well, I have a vote on that. I voted the big miss on a couple oh, of wow. reasons. Okay. One for the same reason Peter just said. I think that you do something like that where you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Mm -hmm. As soon as somebody finds that out, that goes maybe not viral in a big way, but it just 
it's not it it doesn't read well i mean you could do something cute like that as a you know shoot it into space and maybe that's a good idea and maybe not i'm not even sure that's such a great promotion as promotions go but i don't think it's a good idea to do what peter was pointing out behind the scenes that's one but two i think hard seltzer is here to stay (laughs) (laughs) i'm a big fan of hard seltzer so beer is one thing there's a place for beer but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at least i have you know i hang out with a lot of young people during the summers at our shore house and there's a lot of hard seltzer being drunk. So I don't see that as a trend going away anytime soon. Yeah. And some of the hard seltzer category leaders are betting on that as well. White Claw, which famously had to cut back on its advertising a couple of years ago because it couldn't keep up with demand, uh, is launching its first big global marketing campaign in time for the summer. They're, mm. they're going really hard on uh, paid advertising to kind of sustain that consumer interest. And I agree. I think you know, a lot of people who got accustomed to beer drinking realize they like the taste of hard seltzer more mm-hmm. and that you don't have to drink beer for these kind of social occasions. And that's kind of reset the equation for a lot of these big brewers. Yeah. So it sounds like the big misstep was creating an unnecessary either or false dichotomy of choice. And and that's just not going to sit well with with, you know, either camp, although it would be interesting if so. So so it's possible, though, that the that folks will vote in these com- these competitors uh, that are that is going to go up on the rocket ship, Peter, and but that's going to be a little bit of free advertising for this competitor that that this right. I mean, isn't that Who isn't knows? that another yeah, problem? Possible. <laughs> they could think they might even get you know mixed up on uh, who's doing the stunt. I mean, Miller is broadcasting it through its social media channels, its own channels. But you know, if you were to read about it in passing, you know, company sends white claw into space you might think oh white claw is doing some crazy yeah elon musk like stunt i mean that's a fair point i hadn't thought about it from that angle but definitely you know anytime you get another brand involved there's a chance that you're just giving them a megaphone i mean yes yes hey pay attention to this company uh miller's handing over the keys to their fans so yeah you know that's tricky that's tricky you you could imagine a world barbara where you know miller does this it's really cool and let's i'm just for the sake of uh argument let's say white claw wins right so white claw gets shot into display into space you can imagine white claw responding and like maybe they hire elon musk and like do some really interesting like counter story and it's like take all your steam away from all this effort that you're trying to do so that's risky you know when you're letting the the fans sort of bring in a competitor that's got some exposure to it what are your thoughts barbara yeah i totally agree and elon musk has been getting quite a bit of publicity <laughs> this week for his yes. Saturday night live performance and also i saw an article where he believes in stealing memes and not giving any credit to anybody <laughs> else for the memes <laughs> Yes, yes. And I, I'm not sure where I saw this. This was on social media. I don't not sure where this came from. But there's some I guess he had like an interview with Jack Ma recently. Really? Yeah. Know. And it and it just went kind of horribly wrong. It's just like, <laughs> it just was like this weird, awkward, like back and forth. So whenever you pull this guy in, you got to be careful because anything can happen. So, uh, you know, when you're playing in his domain of, of you know, launching rocket ships into space, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it's an interesting idea, but I think it's going to fall flat, like you're saying, Barbara, because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a choice of, well, should I have either, 
you know, the hard seltzer or the beer. They're just two totally different occasions, really. So, yeah. And there's plenty of room in your stomach for everything. (laughs) Speaking about rich, rich people like Elon Musk, who was momentarily the richest man in the world. And now he's number two. But it's not marketing news, but the Melinda and Bill Gates divorce. Yeah, um, that's been the talk of the town, it seems, this last past week. I don't know if it has marketing connection. Definitely seems to have. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation implications, possibly. Yes, for the uh, brand, right? I mean, 27 years in, as I was reading a little bit about this, and uh, that's amazing, right? Because it's when I first heard it, I was like, wow, the interesting questions, Barbara, about you know the brand, the Microsoft brand, the the foundation's brand. And it was like, there was a time when it's like the, the private life of the, the thought leaders of the company weren't necessarily so front and center. And necessarily, you know, a part of the story is one would, you know, interpret some sort of inference about something about the company or the brand. But it's really, I guess, I mean, it was kind of going viral. Like people were like, Sherry, did you hear? I was like, what? Okay. So I think it's interesting to think through that. Yeah. Yeah. Some interesting, you know, he apparently goes away every year with his ex-girlfriend, you know, and we have Uh (laughs) all sorts of things I just assume not know about myself. (laughs) (laughs) that's right the blue screen of death now has a very different uh sort of meaning to it interesting yeah so Um, let's shift gears we've had our hit and misses here i think we got a hit in the pepsi story and a miss in the miller story but um peter what have you been reading about or writing about um the last week or two that you think is kind of interesting you might want to share yeah some some executive news that really caught my attention was late last week uh it was announced that General Mills was uh, parting ways with its global CMO and also that it would not look to fill the position. Um, you know, General Mills, uh, like a lot of big packaged food manufacturers coming into the pandemic, you know, with some struggles in recent years courting the millennial set that's moved towards, you know, sometimes organic or better for you options, whatever you want to call it. General Mills has a big stake in the cereal uh, space. Uh, try saying that five times fast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but a few years ago, they brought on this guy, Ivan Pollard from uh, Coca-Cola to, to kind of make their brands a little bolder. And uh, I just think it's interesting. He's leaving right now, um, you know, as General Mills is seeing sales again, return to some strong growth as it's kind of revitalized some of its brands. And also the fact that they're not planning on replacing That's them. really interesting. I mean, yeah. we mm-hmm. see CMOs go, come and go because they don't tend to have a long tenure. Mm-hmm. But what does that say to the role of marketing that they're not replacing a CMO? Yeah, mm. big, big packaged foods brand like that. You figure the brand is such a strong element uh, of it. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the past like 18 months or so since the start of the pandemic, you know, where will CMOs be at the end of this? Because it felt like a lot of the volatility people expected didn't really take shape. You know, a lot of CMOs felt a little fortified by the pandemic. You know, I read some research that they thought their influence climbed. Mm. Um, but now as the recovery is starting to take shape, hmm. um, you, you know, it's possible that that was maybe just we're in lockdown period. We, we need all hands on deck and now, and now <laughs> we're transitioning into a different thing, which could really feel, you know, burn people. Yeah. You know, that's a tough decision to make. But, uh, you know, Spencer Stewart, the executive research firm also recently came out with their average CMO tenure report and the tenure dropped again. So, yeah, wow. it's been that's been news for a while that it, I don't really Steadily know declining why. for yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, what, what is the average uh, uh, tenure for a CMO? 40 months. Uh, oh, not a long time. Wow. Yeah. For a C-suite position. At the wow. same time, the CEO 
has, 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 according to Spencer Stewart, reached its longest average tenure, something like double that. Interesting. Um, so, you know, some executives are coming out of this crisis much more fortified. Marketers, maybe not so much. I think part wow. of that is just, Interesting. yeah, it's tough to juggle all these mandates around marketing at the moment. But General Mills getting rid of the global CMO uh, feels really significant. And just, you know, personal anecdote, I talked to Ivan Pollard just a few months ago, and he was one of these people saying the CMO has been fortified by the pandemic. Uh, I haven't followed up with him since the most recent news, but, you know, this is one of those things where it's like, you know, what happened? Mm. Um, Let me, I mean, this is really kind of a very interesting thing. Uh, So is it that the CMO role is going away or is it say anything about brand managers and marketing? Is it that you don't need somebody overseeing it all and all of the branding goes down lower in the organization? Or does it say something more generally about the role of marketing? Interesting. It, it, it kind of depends on the company. I mean, some company, well, th- this is another thing that's fascinating about this is that some companies got rid of the CMO role a few years ago in order to break it up, like you said, from a managerial position. So, you know, they'd have a vice president of brand marketing and a vice president of X or Y. And so they handed it off to these different executives. But a few of those companies that did that in a big way are have reverse course. So Coke, uh, famously a few years ago, got rid of its global CMO role, but then in late 2019, brought it back uh, to focus on some of their operational efficiency stuff. And then McDonald's had the global CMO role vacant for something like 11 months, only to fill it again uh, last year, closer to the outset of the pandemic. So it's one of these moving target things. And I think for marketers, it's just kind of you know, it adds a lot of uncertainty, you know, it ebbs and flows in a way that other officer positions don't really do that. So it can be, I think, a little frustrating. Wow, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> Interesting. I think I'm going to stay an academic and Peter, you should stay a reporter. <laughs> That's right. Leave this. Anyway, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. And tell our listeners again where they can go to keep up with you and your work. Sure. So I write for, I'm the reporter for Marketing Dive, dive like a diving board.com. Uh, and we just launched a, a new agency's weekly newsletter that covers the ad agency space. So uh, you can check that out. That goes live every Monday. We sent our second issue today, uh, but we also have a daily newsletter as well as our regular coverage. Uh, and I'm writing there uh, every day. Uh, so yeah, every uh, day. Can you imagine that? Right. I can imagine staring at the screen every day, Barbara, which is something I do quite well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do plenty of that. <laughs> Working from home ensures that I am doing plenty of that. I kind of toggle between my work laptop and my personal laptop. I'll, yeah, I I'll hear go you. lie down in bed and just stare at Reddit or Twitter or something. <laughs> nice. Anyway, thanks a lot for being here. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about marketing at haagen This is Marketing Matters Business Radio Sirius XM 132.